This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Now and Not Yet. Pressing in when you're waiting, wanting, and restless for more. Written and narrated by best-selling author Ruth Cho Simons and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Hey friends, welcome to the Grace Enough podcast. I am your host, Amber Cullum. Each episode, I sit down with a guest to discuss their life journey and how the grace of God has impacted them along the way. After listening to today's episode, I hope you are encouraged that God can use you right now in the midst of your day-to-day life. Yes, it requires daily surrender and trust, but we must remember His grace is enough. Welcome to episode 31 of the Grace Enough podcast. If you are listening to this episode when it releases, you know we are quickly approaching August. Grace Enough will be taking a two-week break, but will return August 20th with interviews from Heather Dixon, Stephen Elliott, Mo Isom, Dr. Michelle Deering, Tori Peterson, and more. We will be covering topics that range from mother-daughter relationships, to dealing with PTSD after war, to thriving as an adult who aged out of the foster care system. And upon return, I will have officially entered a new decade of life. Yes, I am ringing in year 40 in a few weeks, and I will also take on the role of homeschooling my oldest son. Basically, there is a lot of transition happening, so pray for me, pray for us, and pray for Grace Enough Podcast. Please, I need it. Before continuing with today's guests, I do want to mention this episode could be a trigger for survivors of sexual assault. Our guests are doing incredible work with survivors, so I think the episode will be encouraging, but we do discuss in general terms the process following a sexual assault. Today's episode is with the founders of Layers of Dignity, Lara and Haley. They are sisters, they are nurses, they are primary and secondary survivors of sexual assault. The trauma incurred led them to launch Layers of Dignity, which is an organization supporting sexual assault survivors by providing totes filled with items needed once the survivor leaves the medical center. Our conversation dives into more details of why their gift is life-giving to someone who has just experienced indescribable humiliation and shame. Listen to what Haley shares about one of their main missions at Layers of Dignity. So one of our main missions and goals is to be a catalyst for hope and redemption as early as possible. And part of that is creating a community, you know, going through that is, has been the darkest time ever in my life. And even though I had the best support system, all my family was in Raleigh and we, you know, had great friends. And so even though you're totally surrounded, you still feel the loneliest you've ever felt. And so I think if you can create a place where you feel known, there can be less of that loneliness, which hopefully will lead to, you know, less depression and anxiety and, you know, hopefully bring that trauma to a place where it can be dealt with early on. Good morning, Laura and Haley. Thank you so much for taking time to sit down with me this morning and have a chat. Good morning. Thanks for having us. Hi. Hello. So you're my first duo um, which is fantastic that it's sisters because I I don't know if you guys are one just the two of you. Do you all have other siblings? 
We have a brother. Uh, he's in the middle between us. Oh, okay. I only have a sister, so I kind of get that um, bond a little bit. But it's cool that you guys work together. And so I'm going to give you the opportunity to just introduce yourselves to our listeners. Tell us a little bit about your individual families and then give everybody a brief introduction to Layers of Dignity. Hey, my name is Laura Purnell. Um, I'm the oldest sister. I am married to Ben and we've been married for nine years. And then um, we have a four and a half year old daughter named Isla. I am a nurse um, as well as doing this layers thing, but um, I'm a postpartum nurse at the moment. I did about uh, eight to 10 years of labor and delivery. Um, and so now I'm just doing the postpartum life. So after they've had their baby with the moms and babies. Um, and then I'm also training to be a sexual assault nurse examiner. My name is Haley Harris. Um, I've been a children's emergency room nurse for the last six years. And my husband's name is Josh. And we have a great Dane named Ellie. I love it. Well, tell us a little bit about Layers of Dignity. So we are a nonprofit that provides tote bags to sexual assault survivors post-trauma, either in an emergency department or a women's advocacy center. Um, so after an assault, if it's within the correct time period, then the survivor will undergo a sexual assault nurse exam. And part of that exam is evidence collection. And so during that process, you end up having to give up your clothing as evidence. And so People end up having to leave the ER wherever they are in either mismatched volunteered clothing that was given or paper scrubs. And so we kind of saw the disparity there as nurses and having to do those sexual assault exams. And so, you know, we dealt with that professionally. And then in 2016, August of 2016, the tables kind of turned and I actually became a survivor myself. And so all of a sudden I'm on the other side as the patient and I had all the support in the world and people brought me clothes. And so once we were able to heal enough, kind of found out what we could do to help others. So what's in the tote bag is a brand new outfit, toiletries, resources, and a love note from another survivor. Did you know that that need was there just as a nurse, because I know not every nurse is doing necessarily sexual assault examinations. Had you seen that? I think that you told me, you just said that you had, but I'm just curious, you know, how often you were doing those examinations. Yeah, as an emergency room nurse, we do them, unfortunately, far too often. Um, and so I've done them on toddlers up to mm, 17 right. years old. And, you know, it's always, it feels very cold to hand over this outfit that you're like, good luck. Hope everything's fine. Um, and people already feel like an eyesore. And so just handing them over that doesn't feel very good as a nurse. Right. So we see that as a need then, but then everything became so much more highlighted once I became a survivor and Laura was secondary survivor. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me a little bit about how you went about your post-survivor now. You, The two of you kind of join forces, and there is definitely a grieving process involved with that. And then you kick into that anger, which is also just part of the grief process. And you had mentioned that earlier in just some email exchange of how, you know, that anger can become a righteous anger to move into action. Walk us through that process a little bit and how you finally decided this is what we're going to do. This is, you know, the nonprofit we're going to start. 
Yeah. So we also want to highlight in answering that question that our recovery through this and our like healing process has been expedited for what we feel like is layers of dignity. Um, We feel like that was what we were supposed to do with it. And so I, I know that that's why God kind of sped up that process. But I mean, it took us I mean, we're, we're still working through <laughs> all the things. I mean, you're um, always processing. All things always come up. The um, assault was on my birthday, so we were kind of in it together um, in that sense. And so she was dealing with it from the survivor standpoint, and I was dealing with it as a secondary survivor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we kind of walked that pretty neck and neck. And so just working through that, finally getting to the point where – it was almost like we were just kind of doing the same thing over and over. And it was like, okay, this anger, it's there. It's purposeful. It's, it makes sense. It's absolutely, you know, like that's, it's allowed to be there. It is a thing that is wrong. It's something, um, you know, that God weeps over. So, I mean, the anger that can happen, but if you just stay there, it can get dangerous real quick. (laughs) And so, Moving it into a righteous anger almost definitely means that there's going to be some kind of positive action. Mm -hmm. And so we just thought, okay, we came up with the idea that we were going to give clothes to the hospital. And we just figured it would be the two of us that we would just have this as kind of like our little outlet. (laughs) and. We could every couple of weeks, you know, take some clothes and have little bags and just like very low key situation. And then once we started talking about it with some other people and um, the pastor at our church just kind of called us out and was like, um, this is like a real thing. Like Mm -hmm. you can do this. And we're like, no. (laughs) And he's like, no, really. And we're going to help you do that. So vintage church kind of came alongside us and, kind of boosted us from the beginning and just kind of gave us this launching pad to start. And we've just been kind of chasing it ever since. Is the first hospital you were in the hospital that you work, that the two of you worked in or the hospital that you went to Haley? Like how did you start? And then how has it spread for you to get in various hospitals and advocacy centers? So our first delivery was on Lara's birthday um, last year. So that was two years exactly from the assault. And so we decided to do it, deliver to the emergency department that I work in. We have an adult ER and a children's ER. So that was our first delivery. So that was really exciting to be able to bring something to my workplace. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we ended up going to deliver to a women's advocacy center called Interact in Raleigh. And um, we delivered there on that day as well. So since then, we've delivered to three other emergency departments. And we're about to deliver to another one next week. Oh, awesome. So, so far, it's mainly in Wake County. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. And so do you keep them supplied regularly? I mean, you have these certain just drop-off times, and that's how you kind of go about partnering with them? We kind of just check in with them throughout the month. Um, We have our contacts. There's usually one person in each emergency department that's kind of over the sexual assault care of patients. So 
we touch base with them and we just refill as needed. When we first give the initial delivery, it has two totes of every size from extra, extra small all the way to 3X. So each tote is sized appropriately. And then um, we give them that. So it turns out to be like, I mean, math is hard, but 20. And, uh, <laughs> Amen, so, sister. So um, about 20 in the first time. And then we kind of touch base and just drop them off as needed whenever we can kind of make it happen and have volunteers to help us make it happen. That's so awesome. Well, you guys have shared a statistic on your website that one in six women will experience a sexual assault or attempted assault in their lifetime. And 98% of those women will experience symptoms of PTSD during the two weeks after an assault. And then also that one in 10 sexual assault survivors are male, which is quite surprising, I think, for a lot mm-hmm. of people people still in our culture. But how does the work that Layers of Dignity is doing help to decrease that 98% experiencing PTSD? So one of our main missions and goals is to be a catalyst for hope and redemption as early as possible. And part of that is creating a community, you know, going through that is, has been the darkest time ever in my life. And even though I had the best support system, Mm -hmm. all my family was in Raleigh and we, you know, had great friends. And so even though you're totally surrounded, you still feel the loneliest you've ever felt. And so I think if you can create a place where you feel known there can be less of that loneliness, which hopefully will lead to, you know, less depression and anxiety and, you know, hopefully bring that trauma to a place where it can be dealt with early on. Mm-hmm. Well, and you guys have a note and you said in each tote from mm-hmm. a sexual survivor. And how do you connect with those women that are just willing to, you know, write that note to know from personal experience what this person has You know, and I would think, and I don't know because it's never happened to me, but those moments right after you're probably trying so hard to process and you really can't. And that's why that PTSD really kicks in, you know, a few weeks into it. Mm -hmm. So how do you connect with those women who write that personal note? For probably the first, what, 75 totes, I was writing all of them. (laughs) Um, And so, which was totally an honor for me. Um, But we... Everywhere we've gone, whether it's been a conference or we've, you know, spoken somewhere, any outlet we've gone to, we invite survivors to write a note um, if they're in a healthy place to do that. And we say, you know, what would you have wanted to hear? You definitely have to have a disclaimer of, you know, can you go back there and think about that and write it in a healthy manner? And so we also invite people on our website to, they can email in a note or mail one in and, you know, we'll write it for them and put it in the tote. That's so cool. So how does, is the work different when you're delivering totes to women, women's advocacy centers, or does it look the same as what you do with the emergency departments? So yeah, the totes are exactly the same. The delivery process is exactly the same, but we do refill a bit more frequently to the SALA Center, which is the sexual assault clinic within Interact, the Women's Advocacy Center here in Wake County. If a patient arrives in the emergency room to get a sexual assault nurse examination done, they um, are sometimes referred to the SALA Center in order to have that performed. It's okay. It's 
kind of set up to be a bit more trauma informed and in how they perform the examination. Um, it's definitely a less clinical environment. They have advocates on hand. They have counselors on hand. Um, so it's a very like multidisciplinary approach to treating the patient. Yeah. So advocacy center, it, that is interesting. So it is basically like going to the emergency room, except the people who are employed there are just more equipped to deal. So it's more specialized. Yes. Is that correct? Okay. See, that's good for me to understand because I mean, really, unless you, you have experienced that, you don't really know. And in the emergency rooms, there are um, nurses that are specifically trained as well. So it's not like um, a, a nurse can do that on their own. They can get the training um, to be a sexual assault nurse examiner. Um, and then also, unfortunately, a lot of emergency rooms have to kind of just learn on the job and kind of work through that process. But yeah, they're, I think the whole process is geared towards um, the survivor at the advocacy center. Friends, I hope you are enjoying my conversation with Laura and Haley of Layers of Dignity. I want to briefly interrupt to introduce you to this week's sponsor, Hope Threads. Hope Threads was founded by two moms in North Raleigh who have been inspired and motivated to join with highly resilient and talented refugees as they learn English and develop marketable skills to support their families. These women come from countries with political turmoil where they had to fight for the safety of their families. They've been given the opportunity to come to the United States, but challenges still exist. Their children are generally thriving in school, though they lack the language skills to understand what's being said in parent-teacher conferences or the language to get their family proper medical care in the maze of our medical system. Multiple barriers exist that prevent these women from traditional employment opportunities, as most do not have cars to get them to work, the finances to pay for childcare, or the language skills to communicate and advocate for themselves. Hope Threads was born out of relationships formed over years spent teaching them English or caring for their children as they learn. Hope Threads is graciously hosted by Northridge Bible Chapel with virtually no overhead costs as volunteers teach the women sewing skills and care for their children. Hope Threads began creating baby items and have expanded to create women's earrings and bright, beautiful dishcloths. If you are searching for any of these items, please visit Hope threads.com to make a purchase. Your purchase empowers a woman as she acculturates, learns new skills, and supports her family. That was hope-threads.com or on Instagram at hope.threads. Now back to this week's episode with Laura and Haley. What's the feedback been from some of the emergency departments that you've worked with? I, I'm just curious if they're like, wow, this is really interesting that someone is taking a specific interest in this, you know, this niche. Or if I was in healthcare, I'm not now, but I also know that, it's, you know, you're going 190 miles an hour and there's always <laughs> something going on. So I'm just curious about, you know, what the response has been. Yeah, I've received emails from nurses and they've just been so grateful to be able to give something because mm -hmm. um, you feel like, you know, you just continue to take, take, take from this person. And so to be able to give something that was, you know, a forethought mm -hmm. and that was prepared specifically for the survivor um, is definitely something great for the nurse to be able to do, mm -hmm. you know, at, with experience, I know that we've received emails, you know, people have said like opening it up feels like Christmas and, 
adolescents that want to wear what's in their bag to homecoming, like just crazy things where you're just like mind blown. And so, you know, we're continually floored by the response because, you know, you hope it means a lot to people, but we don't expect it to because of the situation. So receiving those emails definitely encourages to continue what we're doing. Yes. Do you all have any specific stories? Maybe, I mean, obviously not too specific, but of just people, survivors that you have interacted with, um, maybe it is through email and they've received your totes. Can you all share any stories from some of those women? It's not a story specifically to us, but it could be in a couple of years. Um, We had a, a, often when we're set up in areas with our table and we're at different events, Um, survivors are just kind of drawn to us and they'll share their stories. And this one um, survivor had shared that she received a note when she was assaulted and she, and in the emergency room. And it was actually the same year as we encountered it. But um, she said that she had received a little care package um, and it was not to the extent which we're giving, but it was like, you know, a little love note and I think some like chapstick and candy and something like that. But um, she said that the note, like she still has it. She still reads it. She has every word of it memorized. And so I think that was really encouraging because for us, I mean, we've only been doing this not even a year yet. It'll be a year in August. And we don't expect to hear anything from any survivors until at least three to five years, if we even hear from them. But we put a card in there. So we do have, you know, they do have access to us if they'd like. But we don't expect to hear from them anytime soon. So it was nice to hear from someone else who'd kind of gone through the same, received something like we're giving and they had great things to say about it. Well, and I can only imagine that loneliness that you do feel. And then to just have one person's voice that's positive through a letter, it is powerful. What amazes me is that you guys have only been around for a year, but you have, I mean, all these totes, all this... (laughs) I feel like you've made a lot of progress in a year. Let me say that. So, which is fantastic. I'm always so amazed. And I know because I also am not that far even into the podcasting world that behind the scenes, it can look very different than what it does (laughs) on your online platform. But um, share with our listeners a little bit about how do you go about getting the totes? If there's someone out there who is a survivor and just thinks, I want to come alongside this organization and support them, or, you know, they've been impacted or they're just passionate about it. What are the things you need? What, how can they support you? So just a little backstory. We became incorporated last February in 2018. And between February and August, which was the first delivery, everything that we were given was 100% donated. We didn't have to spend a penny of our own. Um, And so, you know, we've invited people to come to packing parties uh, that we call them and put together totes with us. And recently we've started having companies ask if they can become involved and they get their employees together. But there's really three main ways um, is clothing donations. And um, we do ask that they're brand new preferably with tags on, but if not, that's okay. Um, We just felt very strongly from the beginning that this was going to need to be brand new clothing, nothing that's been used before, something that's specifically the survivors. So clothing. 
So if somebody's wanting to donate clothing, what are you guys looking for? What does an outfit look like that you give to a sexual trauma assault survivor? Our vibe is this comfy, cute um, type style where, you know, leggings, long tunics, long cardigans, just something that you would be comfortable with hanging out around the house. But it's okay enough to go to Target in is basically (laughs) what we say. We have a full outfit in the tote. So there's, you know, top, bottoms, cardigan, bra, underwear, and then the fuzzy socks as well. And we provide the a big box of flip-flops to each site as well. And I think we've kind of, we kind of talk about um, making sure it's trauma informed clothing. So um, what that looks like is muted colors. I mean, it doesn't have to be (laughs) all black or anything like it's not like a uniform or anything, but we just don't want there to be like highlighter yellow and all these crazy patterns. And um, we want them to be able to, blend into their surroundings because that's ultimately what you want to do you don't want to be seen really at that point Mm. Um, you're just trying to make it so colors is important and then also the graphic tees are cool um, but we kind of encourage you to stay away from them because we're not really sure what can be attached to those so you know anything that we receive in that day could be forever linked with trauma so we want to make sure there's nothing that's like best day ever or um, good I'm vibes. So cool. Only. Yeah, like good vibes only. Or um, we've had some of the kids' clothing. That's the hardest, is because they're always like cute little characters on the shirts and stuff. But they're like you know, cuddle day or like things like mm. that that are just no. We cannot give that to a sexual assault survivor. So just kind of being aware of those kind of issues. Well, that's good information, particularly about the kids, because the adults, you know, I totally would have just chosen something that's very plain. But, you know, a lot of times, even with kids, you're like, oh, they want to wear something cute, but they're still experiencing the same type of feelings that an adult would feel. And you can find those things. I mean, Target has every color in the, you know, rainbow from black, white, tan to Right. Neon yellow, which we are not looking for. So that's certainly something that's possible. You know, we include toothpaste, toothbrush, chapstick, deodorant, lotion, combs, hair products. We provide shower wipes and things like that. So we're always in need of those types of things as well. Um, Fuzzy socks, they're hard to come by. (laughs) (laughs) So if anyone knows where we can find a plethora of them, that would be great. Um, and I know then, this is so random, but have you checked Big Lots? Because I'm telling you, they had a lot of fluffy socks the last time I was in there. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we need to check that out. <laughs> Don't ask me why I was randomly in there. <laughs> so, yeah, the clothing donations and then monetary donations are obviously welcome. If you yourself or your company want to do a fundraiser, um, we've had local artisans, uh, jewelry makers, things like that, where in a certain time period, they'll say, you know, 50% or however much will go towards layers of dignity. And even on next Tuesday, we, there's a benefit concert at a place called Kings here in Raleigh. And there's three bands that are doing a show totally benefiting layers. And so there you can get creative with all the support. Mm -hmm. And if you go to our website, it's layersofdignity.com. 
we have, I think it says how to help. <laughs> and if you click that, um, it does list out the three ways for you to help. Um, and it has super easy clicking ability. You can go straight to our Amazon wish list. Oh, that's um, nice. And, and you can also get a list of what we prefer to receive as far as actual donations. Um, and if you follow us on Instagram at Layers of Dignity on Tuesdays, we do hashtag Tote Fillin Tuesdays. Nice. And <laughs> Look at you, your own hashtag. <laughs> I love it. Um, we just post our most needed item. And usually it's something that has a link that's super easy to click and just send our way. So they can pay attention to that as well to see, you know, what the need of the moment is. So what do you all see in your future? <laughs> oh, gosh. Like Laura said before, we've literally been running after this, yeah. you know, since the beginning. And so it's way bigger than us. And we know that's not by our doing Absolutely. at all. But, you know, we do have big dreams <laughs> of, you know, making this regional, you know, across the country, just creating little chapters of layers of dignity in different cities. So big dreams. But <laughs> we honestly are just taking it day by day. Well, and that's the way it is, right? Isn't it amazing how God will totally use our worst moments mm -hmm. to bring just great, I, I don't want to call it joy, but I mean, he just multiplies the bad so often for good. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't think that's always the case, but I'm amazed time and time again, once healing take place and like what you all said earlier about the anger, you know, it can either turn really quickly to bitterness mm -hmm. and listen, I'm not the one to judge that happening because I think that that is just, that's a hard road to walk. Or, you know, you kind of just say, no, like I know the Lord wants to do something with this. And so kudos to you guys for just saying, we're going to use this pain to um, bring goodness. We end our show with a couple of questions and both of you can answer them or you can answer them individually. It's up to you. But um, one of them being about the grace of God and how we have all, you know, experienced that. If, if you are a believer in Christ, we experience that every day. But there are times and seasons in our lives where we just cannot do anything but cling to it. And you've probably spoken a little bit about that already. But can you share just the time in your life when you really had to cling day to day to the grace of God? I think I would say that over the past couple of years, I feel like I've had to do that and just kind of cling for multiple different reasons. Um, you know, I have a four and a half year old and I had postpartum depression and panic with her and I had to climb out of the darkness with that. And then right as I was seeing the light, <laughs> um, we had the assault happen and, you know, it just motherhood is is hard. And um, I feel like I've had to continually kind of press in and rely on me doing none of it. <laughs> and um, the Lord just stepping in and allowing me to show my child grace yeah. and love and to really cherish her in the way that I want to. I think God kind of steps in and fills in the gaps and I have to believe that and I've seen it happen. Um, but I have to believe that because the gaps are <laughs> many. <laughs> hey, listen, I, so I struggled with postpartum depression and then really it was not, the cloud was not lifting after my second one. And I just thought, 
this is, this should not be this way. Right. And I mean, with just medical assistance, lots of prayer and and time and finally surrender and saying, um, this is probably going to be a battle for me for the rest of my life. But yes, girl, the grace of God with parenting. (laughs) I mean, it is every moment. And I'm so quick to look at my kids and say, listen, I need Jesus and his grace as much as you do. So if you could extend it to me, I'll keep working on extending it to you. Because it is busy, busy, and tiring. Yes. So, Haley, were you going to share something, too? Yeah. um, I think for me, for the first two years um, after the assault, you know, you hear stories from people and, you know, probably some speakers that have no idea about what they're talking about. But, you know, where they're like, you need to forgive. You need to move on. You need to do all these platitudes. And so I was so confused and frustrated by are you kidding me? Like I'm supposed to forgive this person, this perpetrator that has totally rocked our world. And so I just was like, I'm never able to do that. You know, just battling with God of like, how can this be expected? And finally just, you know, we were on a, at a conference in October and I was just asking God, like, I don't understand how I'm going to do this. And I just heard him say, the person I actually want you to forgive right now is yourself. Mm. And so that was like totally eye-opening for me because, you know, as a survivor, there is so much guilt. There is so much shame um, regardless of the situation, but it's, and regardless of the details, it's never the survivor's fault. Mm -hmm. And so it took a long time for me to accept that. And um, so just giving grace to myself and, you know, learning to forgive myself, probably the biggest win in this process. (laughs) Yeah. And opens the door to the possibility that you might be able to process through what someone else has done to you. Right. Well, tell me this, what is an area of your life where you feel like you need to extend the grace that's been given to you to others? Laura may have already mentioned that and you can share something else, but for me, it is, I always (laughs) say to my kids, because Man, all the grace that God has given to me, I am not so quick to extend that same grace to my kids. Usually I'm like, why are you doing that? Yeah, Um, I think, you know, after something like this, you know, we've talked a lot about the anger, but you lose a lot of trust in Mm -hmm. just the planet in itself. So, you know, I've struggled with so many different roles of people in my life and, you know, expecting probably more from people because I was wronged kind of thing and being quick to not understand why someone would be less empathetic about something or, you know, just totally different mind frame. And so I think extending grace to people that don't know this kind of darkness and, you know, just taking a breath and being thankful that they don't know it. (laughs) Mm. Um, But, you know, some things that, people say it can be really hurtful and it's meant to help you, but it really doesn't. So just extending grace to everybody because, mm. you know, you've gone through this time in your life where you don't trust anybody. Mm. So just actually extending grace in general. <laughs> yeah. So are, are you sticking with the kids or your daughter, <laughs> yes. right? You have one daughter? Yeah, yeah just one. <laughs> oh, listen, um, God only gives you the grace you need for how many kids you have. Cause I remember uh, one being so hard. And three is really hard too. So, (laughs) yeah, Yeah, no, I think definitely it's a day to day, hour to hour, minute to minute situation with that grace for mothering. But then I think also it extends to my husband as well, 
marriage and, and having to um, go through marriage with littles is hard too. So I think just also being able to kind of extend my view of the world to his view as well um, and kind of include that in how we process things and how we treat each other has been um, something that we're, we have to, had to work on. Yeah. Well, if, if you had the opportunity to sit down with your great-grandchildren and give them some wisdom, what's something you'd like to share with them? I think for me, um, it would be that suffering doesn't mean you've failed. I think that's something I've been learning lately. And, you know, that we tell this story of where we hate the verse Romans eight twenty eight, where it says all things work for the good of those who love him. <laughs> we joke about how God was not trauma informed when that <laughs> um, And so just learning that that means nothing's wasted mm-hmm. is huge. And so these things happen and bring you closer to God. And so just knowing that, you know, suffering is a part of life, but it's not a failure. Right. And it can be used. Mm. I think going along the same lines, um, really understanding that it's okay to not be okay um, is important. That is actually pointing people to Christ that we're not okay. Like that is a thing. That's why we need Jesus. <laughs> this is okay. Um, and so I think creating a space where it's okay to to be honest about where you're at and let people come around you. And I think also just that even though, you know, going through all this suffering and, and having to know the darkness really well, I think also understanding that just because I know the darkness and I feel okay sitting in there with someone, that doesn't mean that I don't know the light. Like mm-hmm. I, I, that is not, like that that's not a separate like it doesn't have to always be right. separate <laughs> like yeah. i can i can sit in the darkness with someone and understand it and and have the space for that but i can also see the light in that moment and in life and so just because you're going through the suffering the depression the anxiety mm-hmm. the all the kind of mental issues that come along with trauma and with life in general, mm-hmm. you know, just because you work through that and you're honest with your process that you are in the light as well. Like that's, I it's think not... it helps you identify the light a little bit more quickly. Absolutely. Yes. You so... can definitely see it more quickly. Right. Through. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you guys now, have you all worked at all with Ashley Baxter of restoring heart podcast? Have you listened to her at all? Okay. Yeah. I was yeah. curious about that just because Ashley's a friend of mine from college. And so um, I'm trying to remember, you know, like on Instagram, did I see that you guys kind of pass yeah. across or not? So, okay, cool. I wasn't, um, yeah, I just wanted to make that connection. Yeah, but- she did a series uh, um, through April of um, sexual assault awareness and each episode in April kind of had a specific topic related okay. to sexual assault. And so, yeah, at the end of her series, she had... Um, kind of let her followers know about us and awesome. that, uh, how they can get involved. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I'll have to give um, Ashley a little tag and shout out when we yeah. hear your episode. So, cause I mean, she's doing great things too, just educating people on yes. the realities of sexual assault and what actually happens to people yes. following it. Well, tell our listeners, um, you already shared the website, but share it again for us. And then what your handle is on Instagram. So it's layersofdignity.com and we are 
at Layers of Dignity. Easy enough. Instagram. Great. Ladies, thank you so much for taking the time to be here with me today. I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much. It was a good time. Yeah. I can't say enough how grateful I am for those of you who faithfully listen to the Grace Enough podcast. I love to hear your thoughts, your feedback, and your recommendations. You can connect with me over on Instagram at Grace Enough Podcast underscore Amber or on Facebook under the same name. During this two-week break, I would like to ask each of you listening to share your favorite Grace Enough podcast episode with a friend via text, email, or on social media. Listeners like you who share the podcast is the best way for the podcast to grow and to encourage others to live out their God-given story with grace and truth. Thanks, friends, and I look forward to connecting with you over on Instagram during the break. Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough Podcast. Tune in next time.